Hi friends, Nairi here. Gather round and listen up. Let's talk before the show. Friends, this work is my passion and it is picking up. Not just this podcast, but also articles, streams, podcast appearances, consults on documentaries, major progress on my manuscripts, and it merits my full attention. Thanks to you, it's now my full-time job, and I'd like to keep it that way, and here's why. Piecemeal freelance work is unpredictable and infrequent, and book royalties ebb, as they have been recently. That's where you come in. Every little bit that you support here helps support me and keep me working for you. Your support does more than just keep me housed and keep the lights on. It also lets me make appearances at conventions, as I did recently at Western Pennsylvania Furry Weekend. So, if you enjoy my work, sign up today, patreon.com slash riversidewings, or subscribe at twitch.tv slash riversidewings. In a time when historical awareness is vitally critical to issues of current events, civic engagement, and more, your support will help me bring my professional training, plus my passion as someone who started out in fandom before academe, to the masses. So, even as we read the novels, watch the movies, play the games, let's round out our appreciation of the real people, ideas, events, and more that go into making them. History is funnier, messier, stranger, more interconnected, and yes, gayer than you might have thought. So, gather round. Let's explore and enjoy it together. Thanks for your support. I love you all. Thank you for being the wind beneath my wings. This week on Friday Night History, Jogazan. This episode of Friday Night History was not recorded before a live Twitch audience at twitch.tv slash riversidewings owing to technical issues that I'm still resolving as of this recording. But to support this podcast, you can subscribe there to catch future recording sessions, gaming streams, and more. Please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash riversidewings. Your support makes all of this possible. Salutations, you fantastic denizens of the internet. This is Dr. Nairi A. Bakalian, and you are listening to Friday Night History, your favorite historical romp with your favorite history dyke. Season 2, Episode 5, Number 39, Jogezan. When wars end, they don't end like flipping a light switch. They tend to leave a multifaceted aftermath of all manner of things, which play out in their own time at their own pace. This week's episode concerns a location that grew out of a war's aftermath nearly a millennium ago. So, let's go to the Oshu Mountains. Northern Honshu in the Heian era, 794 to 1185, was part of the empire, but also simultaneously outside of it. Sort of an outback to the people in Kyoto. For a long time, the highway that went north went up to Shirakawa in what's now Shirakawa, Fukushima Prefecture. And beyond that was Michinoku. This is a contraction of Michinooku, beyond where the road ends. To go up there was a bit like falling off the face of the earth. 
Ruled as a semi-independent kingdom by the northern Fujiwara clan, who were part Emishi, it was a refuge. Minamoto no Yoshitsune, the tragic hero of the Genpei War, sheltered there twice. And our story for this week concerns survivors of the Taira clan, who were scattered after the clan's defeat at Danno-ura in the spring of 1185. They found shelter and a place to pray for their defeated kinfolk spirits in places on the edges of the empire, where those who had defeated them either wouldn't think to look or wouldn't feel it worth expending the resources to look. One such place was Jogezan, a Jodo sect temple in Sendai's Alba ward. Well, I say in Sendai, but technically the thing is, because of the municipal consolidations of the past three plus decades, it's within the city limits, but way, 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 way out in the woods, practically to the prefectural border with Yamagata. The temple's proper name is Saihoji, but it's always been more commonly known as Jogezan. That's spelled Jogezan. Look at the blog post to see the characters. And the first two characters read Jogi in standard Japanese, but that's how Tokyoites say it, and this is Sendai. Place names don't quite work the same way, at least historically. Jogezan is the local pronunciation. The first two characters are also read Sadayoshi, a person's name. And here we link back to the Taira survivors. Taira no Sadayoshi was a senior vassal to the last Taira clan leader, Taira no Shigemori. Sadayoshi's father was the legendary Taira no Iesada, a Taira vassal of long standing who served Shigemori's father, Taira no Kiyomori. After Danno-ura, Sadayoshi is said to have escaped north and established a temple to Amida Nyorai to pray for the repose of his fallen kinfolk. Whether it was him or his retainers is unclear, but his grave is at this temple. And there's been a temple on this site praying for the Taira clan's repose since 1198. And because it's the alternate reading of his name, the name Sadayoshi became Joge, and thus we now have Jogezan. The temple as it now stands was established in the early 18th century. At its center stands a magnificent six-sided main hall, a hondo. But this is just one point of interest in this magnificent, sprawling temple complex. I arrived at Jogezan on a whim that day 16 years ago, thanks to a local friend. She'd been with us in the U.S. in freshman year, and we'd shown her around some of the local sites, and now that we were in Japan, she wanted to return the favor by showing us some of the more hyper-local points of interest. I didn't have any prior knowledge of the site going in, just that M wanted to show us this temple way out in the sticks at the edge of town. So, me and my buddy C piled into M's car, and she drove. We already lived on the edge of the more urban part of town, so it didn't take too long for us to get into forest roads and beyond anything I knew. Looking at it on a map now, I'm honestly kind of amazed at how far away it was. And by extension, how big the city's geographic area extends, even to a place like this that seems to be the furthest thing from what one would describe as a city. I think I dozed a couple times along the way because it was quite a long drive. 
and by the time we got out of the car, I had no idea where I was at all. There were some narrow streets of what looked like restaurants and gift shops, and they all pointed to what was obviously an old, handsome, and stately temple gatehouse. The term for this, which has come up a few times this season, is Monzanmachi, the town before the gates, specifically shrine or temple gates. The temple, in this case, was Jogazan. I saw and felt the elevation change along the way. But out here, we were in the shadow of the mighty Oshu Mountains, and we were among them. The combined effect, ultimately, is that it commands awe. And in my case, it evoked a stunned silence. I felt small. It seems all the more fitting that I should have felt small. When I think about how an average pilgrim to the temple in the old days would have had to walk up up rougher, more winding roads to even get there in the first place. Now, by the point I got to Jogazan, I'd been to my share of Shinto shrines, as well as a few Buddhist temples, so in terms of general architecture, I think I knew what to expect. That being said, there's a lot at Jogazan that isn't the sort of thing you'd find at your neighborhood temple. For one thing, there are lots of subsidiary pavilions and other things throughout the grounds. For another, there are small Shinto shrines behind this excited main hall and in a dip in the terrain below. There sit a series of these, including a Kumano shrine and a Ninari shrine. And then there was the tree. The tree, a Kayaki tree, Zelkova serrata is the scientific name for it, is a plant that is a natural symbol of both Miyagi Prefecture and Sendai City. Those who visited downtown Sendai might recall the boulevard of Zelkova on Jozenji Dori. But as big as those trees are, the one at Jogazan is bigger. Massive, even. We reached it as the light was starting to go. There, in the immediate shadow of the Oshu Mountains, the path behind the main hall was already wreathed in shadow. I remember there was an old wooden sign that proclaimed its name as Tenno Keaki the Emperor's alcova. In the shadow of its gigantic trunk, there was what looked like a funerary marker. My friend explained, but I don't recall fully registering her words, overcome as I was with awe at the place, and at how haunted I felt. What I remember of it was the Shimenawa, the straw rope with white paper shide streamers attached, that encircled its trunk, denoting it as a kami. I also remember my amazement at the stone marker and how the tree, which towered high overhead, had grown around the stone. Which emperor? I wasn't sure at the time. And there are many that have a particularly connected history with this part of Japan in some way or another. But now I know, it's Emperor Antoku. Antoku was the tragic figure at the center of the Taira clan's fight with the Minamoto in the 12th century, in which Taira no Sadayoshi played a role. He was a grandson to Taira no Kiyomori via Kiyomori's daughter, Tokuko, who became empress herself, consort to Emperor Takakura. Emperor Antoku, then a mere six years old, died when the Taira naval forces were overrun at Danno-ura that day in 1185. His mother, Taira no Tokuko, better known by her title as Empress Kenreimon-in, was the battle's sole survivor. 
Some of the young emperor's belongings are said to be buried here. Toys? Clothing? I wonder what. But that's what is said to lie beneath the stone marker around which this ancient tree has grown. There was once a second tree that had been planted with it, but now there's just the one emperor Zelkova. I'd heard of trees venerated as kami, but this was the first time I'd seen one that was wreathed with the Shimenawa rope. Like I keep saying, I was breathless and in awe. What I do remember of M's explanation is that the temple, and this tree in particular, were a site of pilgrimage for people looking for partners. So, having bought and set up a votive plaque at the main hall, I said a quiet prayer in the shadow of that tree. Sixteen years later, happily partnered, I look forward to the day that I can make pilgrimage again to Jogezan to say thank you. That evening, in the shadow of the mighty trees at Jogezan, I only got to see a little bit of those venerable grounds before M nudged us back toward her car. Dinner and drinks back in town awaited, but my feeling of awe and stunned silence only lingered well into the return drive down from the mountain and into the Sendai cityscape. Time carries on. We know this. Places change, customs change, provinces change, and people change. We shouldn't expect anything to remain unchanging anywhere. But as I think back to the mountain, the trees, that Zelkova, and the way the temple hall towered over me, I have to wonder, how many of us have an appreciation for how small we are in the world? How are we stewarding nature? And what, I wonder, is evoking a sense of awe in us? I'm Nairi, and this has been Friday Night History. Now, questions? Friday Night History is a weekly historical romp with me, your favorite history dyke, Dr. Nairi A. Bakalyan. Our theme is Buga Blue, written by Craig Friedrich, performed by the U.S. Army Blues, and available royalty-free at pixabay.com music. This and more is made possible by listeners like you. To support Friday Night History and the rest of my work, sign up today at patreon.com slash riversidewings, or subscribe at twitch.tv slash riversidewings, and catch gaming, historical banter, and episode recordings. You can find my audio fiction and other short work for sale at riversidewings.itch.io and check out my novel at bit.ly slash ebook. That's all for this week of Friday Night History. Next week, Dance and the Gods, an historical introduction to Miwaryu, a sacred dance tradition in northern Honshu. Hope to see you there. And remember, who you are and what lights your fire is worth fighting for. I'll see you around. <laughs>